Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Green Pole Podcast. I'm Dan Crawford, the editor of Hammy End. I'm joined by Alan Druitt, one of our regular sparring partners. Al, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Dan. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Feeling much better after two wins in a row, which is extraordinary, uh, really. And I should introduce our debutant to the podcast, Paul Cooper, actor, artist, extraordinaire, uh, is with us, best known as Martin Mucklow from this country, uh, I think, to uh, to a large number of our audience, but uh, a lifelong Fulham fan. Paul, thanks for joining us. How are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you, Dan. Yeah, thank you for inviting me on the show. So, it's so our absolute pleasure to to have a genuine, uh, bona fide celebrity and uh, and Fulham fan of long standing with us. And let's start then, Paul, with a question we normally ask everyone who comes on the podcast for the first time: How is it exactly that you became a Fulham fan? Is it something you inherited from? from your family how, how did you first start going to craven cottage well it's not really long standing uh, actually and it was my son who who um uh, got me to go it was about 17 years ago i guess and uh, charlie was a teenager kind of early teens uh, and wanted to go to a premier game and he particularly wanted to go to to fulham so we went to an evening game i, th- I think it was uh, watford in the fa cup I think they won two nil, and um, yeah, we just completely fell in love. I mean, we were sitting in the uh, Johnny Haynes near the halfway line up near the top, and never seen anything like a ground like that. First time we'd been there, and just the people as well, just really friendly, knowledgeable, and it was just love at first sight. Just uh, extraordinary experience, really. Well, 17 years is uh, long enough standing for me. And uh, as my my father once said, it's great preparation for the disappointments in life, being a Fulham fan. Uh, the club really, really sets you up for it. Um, and I think I've met your son in a, in a taxi going to Preston um, uh, a few years ago. Uh, and uh, he was waxing lyrical about that that very game, indeed. So yeah, it certainly left an <laughs> certainly left an impression. Um, tell us a little yeah. bit about what you're doing now, because you did this country and it was remarkably successful. You've got a new film, uh, The Fent, which is out now, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, right. Yes, uh, Bristol-based. Um... And it's based in the the nineteen eighties, um, and it's a terrific film. I think I think it can be a real cult film, you know, a, a bit like uh, This Is England, um, and really enjoyed. I kind of play another bit of a baddie, Dib uh, Gibsey, who's uh, uh, runs Bristol's biggest scaffolding firm, um, and he's a bit of a gangster on the side as well. So yeah, thoroughly enjoyed. You know, brand new independent film. You know, a, a guy directing it in his, who's written and directed it in his twenties. So, uh, yeah, great acting in it, um, and you know, brilliant cinematography in it as well. So it's well worth uh, a view. Yeah, definitely. Uh, other than that, I mean, I'm, I've come to, you know, acting in my sixties, um, but my my daytime job is actually I work with people with hoarding behaviours. So I go into people's houses. And on and in my spare time, I 
Um, I'm a director of a, a non-paid director of a children's football charity, uh, Children's Football Alliance. Uh, and we kind of mainly uh, work from Belgium on the um, Flanders Peace Pitch, which is the uh, where the Christmas truce in 1914. So we have um, kids from all around the world uh, come uh, once or twice a year for a week. Uh, so great fun. So I believe this. I'm related. I, I didn't know this. I believe I played on that very pitch as a some some years ago, um, or at least on one very close to it. Can you tell us just a little? So and also as someone who suffers from apparently from hoarding of Fulham programs that I'm not yet to be <laughs> cured from. I think well, help would be useful in both um, in both settings. Could you tell us a little bit more about the charity work that you do uh, while we? Uh, what for, what the hoarding or the football? <laughs> Both go for both. Give us, give us a little yeah, bit on both. Uh, I mean, the yeah, the hoarding is, um, uh, you know, we we deliver training to all the different agencies, but it's it's about it affects about five percent of the population, and you know, various triggers. Uh, usually, things like um, you know, bereavement is the biggest, but it could be childhood issues, or whatever. And we've seen a huge increase after after COVID. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, I kind of work with people. Some of which people are sleeping rough. You know, a, a guy recently a four bedroom house, and uh, he can't get in the house, so he's been sleeping rough for two years. So that kind of level, you know. Uh, and the football charity is wonderful. Yeah, it's it's you know what site of one of the football games in nineteen fourteen. So we just we've just. Um, had over uh, 60 kids, 20 kids from a special needs school in, in England, 20 refugee children based in Belgium, uh, and 20 Romanies from uh, Czech Republic. And it's a, it's a peace education program. Um, and um, they play football, boys and girls, uh, cricket, touch rugby, on bike rides, um, art graffiti workshop, drumming workshop. You know, we, we do the battlefields, uh, go to the crematoriums. It's just a, a wonderful week. The only trouble is um, we've lost all our funding because of Brexit. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, well, so in, in not, not saying that we can replace all of the European Union's funding, but we'll certainly uh, put some put some information in the show notes and on the Hamian website about those um, two charities that, that you're involved in, because I'm sure uh, the combination of football and education will chime with a lot of um, Fulham fans so yeah well well done on all your efforts and I know the Fulham family will will want to support that um, so let's move yeah, on a little bit to to talk about Fulham's start to the season so far Al I'll bring you in um, how are you feeling given that we're sitting in seventh I mean I wrote a piece this morning saying I still had to pinch myself every time I looked at the Premier League table am I being silly or is it like that for you too is that for me, Dan? Sorry. Yeah, see, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, um, it's uh, a bit surreal at the minute. Sitting seventh place, uh, two wins on a bounce, looking on to Everton, which is another winnable game. And uh, I can't remember the last time we actually won three Premier League games in a row. Um, I don't want to put the mockers on it, but it sounds good, doesn't it? It does. It was under that bloke called Scott Parker, so we'll move swiftly on. Um, Paul, how are you? feeling about the start of the season we've been playing some really good stuff oh yeah I'm unbelievable I, I don't know why I mean after last season which was brilliant 
for some unknown reason, I thought it would be a bit the same as the last two times we've been up. I, I don't know why, uh, you know, because Silver's been been absolutely brilliant, but I had really low expectations. So this is just, I mean, from that, I think from the first game, you know, the Liverpool game, it's just been, you thought, oh, this is different. You know, this really is different. This is going to be a different season. Uh, and so it's been, you know, it's been a, um, an absolute joy. Uh, and it's been, I think the Premiership is the new championship. It's all over the place, isn't it? You know, teams beating each other and uh, it's very exciting. It does seem refreshing, Paul, to have a Fulham team that really attacks the Premier League and, uh, and the top flight rather than being a bit timid as we have been um, in previous incarnations, which I think you were, were hinting at before. Yeah, and look at the amount of goals we've been scoring. And I think that's, you know, I think it's only one game we, and I was there as well, the Wolves game, the nil-nil, which wasn't a great game. But I think other than that, I think we've scored in every game. I mean, uh, and it's usually two or three, you know. Yeah, bring that on, you know, love it. Yeah, I was there for the Wolves game, the hottest day of the year when Wolves decided to turn on their fire starters <laughs> as well. I mean, I was not a fan of that, got to say. Oh, yeah. I was a bit, uh, a bit toasty on the way back. If I might uh, yeah. put it that way. Um, so, Alan, coming back to you, we, you mentioned that Everton is a very winnable game. Um, we might be able to dismiss our third manager in a row this weekend. Um, well, or, or potentially, Leeds have ducked the Jesse Marsh thing, but you could go Gerard Marsh, potentially, and Fat Frank Lampard. That would be good, wouldn't it? It would, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Everton... Uh... They they had a good win on the weekend against Palace. And for some reason, I was speaking to Joe Thomas, who's the uh, correspondent for the Liverpool Echo. And uh, Everton fans warmed to Lampard really well. Uh, they seem to like him. So I think it's going to take a lot more than sitting where they are at the minute to, to get rid of him. But it would be nice to, to demolish him and then for him to be sacked Sunday morning. Particularly as he demolished the cottage, one of the mm-hmm. finest uh, Fulham pubs close to, to Craven Cottage uh, befitting his, its name through his property development business. I haven't forgiven him for that, nor <laughs> many other things, if I, if I might say. Um, Paul, what do you think about Everton this season? Have you seen anything of them? I mean, they seem to flip from sublime to the ridiculous and back again at times. Yeah, I, I, I've seen little bits and, and uh, haven't been particularly impressed, I must say. Um but I was really surprised with the result at the weekend, the 3-0 over Palace. Um, and um, But I, th- I expect, um, uh, you know, we've got something to prove, uh, um, you, know, a, a, you, know, you know, obviously with uh, Silver being, you know, the ex-kind of Everton manager. So I think he's got something, you know, he's, he really wants to win this. So, um, you know, I'm feeling kind of good about the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, They've been, uh, I think they've been about the longest, uh, the club that's been in the Premiership the longest, virtually, I think. Am I right in saying that, Everton? I yeah. Mean, I can't remember when they... <clears throat> yeah, they've Remember they had been... a few... Go on, mate, yeah. Was it in the 90s? I remember they kind of beat Wimbledon. They were kind of losing 2-0 or something, and they won 3-2. But they've been kind of flirting, you know. Um, I, I, You know, maybe it's their time to go down. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, they they have one season where I think Graham Stewart inspired that comeback on the final day and loads of people uh, invaded the pitch at, at Goodison Park where they got very close. And then they won the FA Cup 
think Paul Ryde yeah. outscored the the winner. Was that against Manchester United? From from memory, uh, I uh, think so. Yeah, Joe uh, Royal was one. That's yeah. right. Joe Royal was yeah. a very underrated um, yeah. manager of Everton and, and, and a number of other teams. There was that period for a long time where we would beat Everton at home and they would beat us away. Um, and we would sort of, yeah. it almost felt like we agreed the result in advance. So, 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 so clockwork was it? Um, yeah, they're, they're a strange one to work out, Alan Everton, at the moment. I, I do think the return of Dom, Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, and a couple of the boys they've got in midfield will, will make it really uh, a really tough game on on Saturday night um, for us. Are you feeling confident about, about getting a win on Saturday, Alan? Yeah, I'm very confident. I think you have to be after the last two performances. To be honest, we should be sitting here looking forward to our fourth win in a row. But unfortunately, we couldn't quite get the win against Bournemouth. But you know, as long as we can score early and get on the front foot early, I think we can make it as comfortable as we want it to be. I think the longer it stays nil-nil, a Lampard team setting up with Cody, Tarkovsky at the back, they're just going to sit there, play on the counter and wait for openings. But get a goal early and it changes the whole complex of the game. Yeah, and I, I do think the encouraging thing from those two away wins we've just had, Paul, is that we can't, we should, and the game against Bournemouth that Alan's just referenced, shows we can come from behind and get something. Yeah, that, that was really good. Yeah, because I mean, I, I mean, I can, it didn't happen many times last season, even, we, even though we had a brilliant season. So, yeah, we kind of just look a different team. And I think, um, you know, not having quite as much possession seems to, you know, have, have worked very well with some of the players. You know, I mean, some of the players just just play better in the in the Premiership. Uh, uh, so I don't know whether that's something to do with we have a bit less possession or something. But um, I was quite worried about Reed. Um, you know, I, I just thought last season Harrison was. I, I just thought he was a bit lost, but this season he's been absolutely phenomenal and scored two goals. You know. I mean, that has been extraordinary turnaround. He should have had get, a third thought, on Sunday as well, shouldn't he? Yeah, he should have done, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a very yeah. good... The, the first chance we really had, and I was cursing him uh, when he rather mishit that one. Um, but uh, Lydia will not be happy. Do you, do you think um, he should be uh, in Gareth Southgate's thoughts, Paul? It's something Alan and I have talked about. Should he, should he be um, playing for England uh, at some point? Yeah, why now? not? Yeah, as long as he didn't get injured. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get him out there. Yeah, great player. Love him. Absolutely. And of course, we only win the World Cup with a Fulham player in the team, don't we? Um, of course. So... Yeah, he'd be the Nobby Styles, you know, the kind of <laughs> the Nobby Styles of the team. Get that's him in a, there. That's a very good shout, actually, given how yeah. industrious um, the dearly departed Nobby Styles was in that, that uh, 1966 side um so we, we've kind of touched on the key key players um in, in our team uh, i've got a question now that asks you to step into marco silver's shoes and select your starting 11 um for saturday's game al i'm gonna go with you first because we've had some tinkering around at center back and i know you've got strong opinions about this how, how would you how would you line up for for saturday I'd keep the same team, to be honest. I think they uh, 
perform well on Sunday. And I felt quite sorry for Tossing coming out. Um, the up done fantastically well when he came in. But now Silva's got a problem on his hands. Does he stick with Tossing again or does he twist, bring Diop in? Or does he now integrate Tossing and Diop together? But I, you can't get Reem out the squad just yet. He's still performing. But I think he'll go for the same team. But then again, he does like the odd change here or there when no one's sort of expecting it. So I wouldn't be too surprised if there was a, a change, whether that's something strange like Mbabu coming in for Bobby Reed or something like that. But I'd probably keep the same team. Well, there's a possibility of Tete maybe being fit, which might leave Bobby Reed vulnerable, which would be harsh. Um, and just to pick you up on, on one thing, because I wasn't with you on, on, on Sunday, Al, I thought that Tosin could have been stronger at the back post for that first goal. Given his height advantage over the goal scorer, he should have been getting his head in there. Is that harsh or am I, you know, or, or am I right unusually? When I first saw it, I thought Tosin's got to do better, but I don't think he ever, he, he never saw the ball. When it came right. off uh, Tim Ream, it was up in the air, but not once did he look up or not once did he see the man. He was sort of in no man's land. Um, uh, it's all about split seconds, isn't it? And I don't want to be too harsh on Tossing because he was his first game back for three or four games. But um, yeah, it's, a, it's a lot I, easier looking from the stand. And certainly I'd have never been mobile <laughs> enough to get to the back post, as you know, Al. So, yeah, it's, uh, we, we should come a bit slack. I would agree. By the way, if we're talking about people to go to the World Cup, the fact that Greg Verhalter continues to ignore Tim Ream you know, I mean, they talk about impeaching people in the United States. That's worth a joint session of Congress, given that Tim Ream can't get near the United States squad. I can't figure that one out at all. Um, Paul, coming back to you, what are your thoughts on the starting eleven for, for Saturday? Are you keeping it the same after Ellen Road? Are there any changes you might consider? Well, if Tete's fit, I, w- I would certainly start with him. Uh, I think I would play... Um, um, Cabano uh, instead of Wilson uh, to start, um, or possibly you know Bobby uh, Bobby Devicola Reed if he's you know if if Tete plays. Um, I just think Wilson's not quite fit yet, so you know I'd see him coming on as a sub. Um, I think probably keep tossing, but I think that's really really close with him and Diop. But I think. Um, maybe, you know, play Tosin for this game, Tosin. Yeah, it, I mean, the interesting thing about all of this is having the suddenly having depth, having having options at centre-back, Paul, is remarkable, isn't it? You know, we, we, yeah, Reams... absolutely. I, I mean, I mean, Ream, uh, I mean, I, I kind of thought at the, the tail end of um, uh, Parker's up in the Premiership, Reem played a couple of games. I thought he played really well at Matt away at Man United, and I just thought he's not as bad as people make out. You know, he can do a job. And he was so brilliant again last season, and Silver obviously really believes believes in him, um, and so much goes through him. You know, I mean, uh, so uh, yeah, he's been a huge surprise. If someone had said, "Yeah, you're going to be in seventh, and you know, Reem's being a will be playing every game," you 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 know, you'd be very <laughs> surprised. But yeah, I mean. And that's all, you know, power to silver. You know, what he's got from the players has been extraordinary. Really, really amazing. 
Yeah, oh, definitely. The genius of Marco Silva seems to be unrecognised, really, still, even though we're punching well above our weight in the in the Premier League. And also, Alan, just something Dan James picked up on today in his media commitments, the fact that we've now got real options out wide. You know, Paul's championing Niskins Cabano, who we, who we love like a brother, um, and we've suddenly got a number of options out wide, and the revelation is William, really, coming in at you know, when he should be really relaxing on the Copacabana beach um, and and absolutely <laughs> starring in the in the Premier League. What's going on? He's been brilliant, hasn't he? I think he, he had a lot of critics out wanting his head when he signed. Oh, he's not good enough. He's too old. He's too slow. But as Fulham fans know, you know, sometimes we're very quick to jump the gun. And there's been a few players in the past where we've written off. They've come in and they've done a fantastic job. And I think William falls in that bracket. We don't want to get carried away too quick, too soon, but he's he's been faultless since he's come in, um, and long may it continue. I mean, the, the, he had a brilliant game against Aston Villa, and he was unlucky not to score. And the way he sort of twisted and turned to get that ball in um, at Ellen Road, and and, and he, in general, how he how he really took on leads for that for that whole game was 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 exceptional. Um, so yeah, just just to have those wide options, Paul, as well. You know, you mentioned Cabano. You've got Dan James. We've not really seen much of Main or Solomon yet, unfortunately. And there's Harry Wilson still feeling his way back to to fitness. We've suddenly got those options to provide service to Mitrovic, haven't we? Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant. And and yeah, William is yeah absolute class. And I think he's so enjoying his football. You know, that, I mean that. That goal celebration at Leeds, you know, he's he's just, um, you know, brilliant. And I think especially after kind of, you know, the debacle at um, uh, Arsenal and, and his last club in, in Brazil. So, I th- you know, I, th- I think this is, he's probably, you know, um, pinching himself. Yeah, we, we suddenly look kind of good, don't we, kind of wing-wise, um, which is brilliant. I mean, obviously, it's part of Silva's game. And um, it gives us options. I think with this five substitute thing as well, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think it, it really kind of plays well into our hands. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, uh, Tom Kearney is the is the prime finisher in the, in this kind of five substitutes uh, rule change. Really plays into the hands of having somebody like Kearney who perhaps struggles to last a full 90 minutes with the pace of the Premier League, but he really adds something coming off the bench, Paul, um, as he has done regularly, in fact, in every Premier League game this season. Yeah, it's kind of like specialists now, isn't it? You kind of have these specialists on the bench that you bring on for 20 minutes or whatever. Um, And um, I was at first against it with the five, but I think it's actually going to I think it's, you know, I'm actually enjoying it and I think it's a you know good thing that you can maybe change a game round or, or have these kind of people. So I think it's going to, you know, people like um, Kearney, you know, might lengthen their career because they're not going to have to kind of play that 90 minutes. But, um, you know, these specialists that come on for 20 or 25 minutes and change a game. And without five substitutes, Alan, we might not have seen Luke Harris make his Premier League debut against Aston Villa. What a lovely moment that was. Well, that's it, and uh, he's going to be a, another another gem to come out of the academy, um, and hopefully he'll be with us for many more years to come. Yeah, I had a nice little chat with Luke after um, 
after Leeds, actually. What a lovely young man and a, and a credit to the academy, as you say. And another one for the Jennings, Elias, Wigley axis at Motspur Park to be very proud of. Um, right, I've got uh, one more question to ask both of you, and it's probably the most important question of the lot. We need a score prediction from, from both of you. Alan, I'm going to start with you. You're sounding confident. You're going to put your money where your mouth is here? Yeah, we're going to win 3-1. Easy peasy. Um, and we're going to make that three wins in a row. And that's three wins in a row for the first time since uh, Scott Parker's three wins after Fulham were relegated, which from memory were Everton, Bournemouth and Cardiff in 2019. And before that, you have to go back to 2012, which were Pavel Pogrebniak's first three games for Fulham. And I'm sure we all remember those. Uh, there was a goal against Stoke. There was a hat-trick against Stoke, indeed, and a wonderful goal at uh, Loftus Road that we all remember so well, where Moussa Dembele played it through and Pogrebniak finished it off. And then he charged to the to the away fans in the in the school end at uh, Loftus Road. Paul, what are you going for this weekend? Are you as confident as Alan in terms of a score yes. prediction? Yeah, 2-1 to Fulham. Um, Harrison Reed double. And I think by the end of the season, he he will have overtaken Mitro and Harland. And, oh my uh, goodness! Sorry, yeah, he'll be the he'll be the new glamour boy of the Premiership. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been uh, have, you, have you been drinking before this podcast? Just, just the seven pints. Yeah. <laughs> I'm amazed you're this erudite after that alcohol intake. It's incredible. But yeah, I, I think you get good odds on uh, Harrison Reed double, even given how how well he's been banging them in. Um, so far, I'm, I'm just going to tidy up uh, a few loose ends um, on, on the on the podcast. It'd be very remiss of me not to mention that today is the 24th anniversary of a wonderful goal by Paul Pesquisolido at Anfield in 1998 in the League Cup. Um, I was there as a teenager to see him score from an impossible angle about 25 yards out to equalise um, for Kevin Keegan's team in the uh, at the cop end. Um, and Paul's been very kind enough to interact with us uh, over the day, reminiscing about that that wonderful goal. Um, I do need to mention as well that Fulham's under-21 side are in action at Motspur Park against Blackburn Rovers on Friday evening. Seven o'clock kickoff. It'll be streamed via the Fulham FC TV uh, channel on the club's website. It's also tickets available for, I think, um, five pounds uh, on the on the Fulham FC website. You'll need to to book those in advance. Um, Steve Wigley's side unbeaten in six um, and looking to to record another win. Do get along if you can. There's some real talent uh, in that team. And we do want to give a shout out in two ways to the Fulham women's side who play at Dulwich Hamlet, Champion Hill, on uh, on Sunday afternoon, which is always a great venue. If you haven't been to Dulwich Hamlet and seen what a community club really looks like, um, in London, you really should. But the primary reason for going on Sunday is to cheer on Steve Jay's side. They're racking up the wins. And they're through to the next round, to the first round proper of the FA Cup after a brilliant comeback against Maidenhead um, last week. Do try and get along to to support the ladies uh, in that fixture. And of course, they are playing at Craven Cottage for the first time in more than two decades against AFC Wimbledon in the Capital Cup 
on the 20th of November. Tickets on sale for that one via the Fulham FC website. Um, uh, priced at £5 for, for adults and £1 for concessions. And we will be telling you more about that uh, on Hammy End over our month of women's football coverage, which kicks off in November. So do stay tuned for that. Uh, I, well, all that remains for me to say is thank you to Alan Drewitt for putting up with me for another half hour. I know it's tough every week, Al, but you, you've managed it again. Um, yeah, I've done well. Thanks for Paul for coming on. I think that's the, that's the reason why I managed to to bear the 30 minister. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. And we hope to, to have you back um, to yeah, celebrate. That would be brilliant to, to have you on again and, and get some more analysis um, uh, of, of, uh, of another wonderful Fulham performance in, in due course. Perhaps even during that period where there isn't any Premier League football to talk about in the run-up to Christmas. And you can tell us a little bit more about um, your charity work and see if we can get some donations flowing to those to those good causes that you mentioned. Oh, I'd love to come on again, Dan. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, really enjoyed tonight. That'd be brilliant. Thanks so much to Paul and Alan. Thank you to everyone else who's tuned in and, and supported this podcast, which we didn't really know how it was going to go in the summer after Alan's brilliant brainwave when we put it into to practice. Thank you once again for everyone supporting Hammy End. Uh, we look forward to seeing you over the weekend um, at Craven Cottage and beyond. And come on, you whites.